Section 19 of Anecdotes of Dogs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pamela Krantz. Anecdotes of Dogs by Edward Jesse. Chapter 19 The Poodle. With all the graces of his fatherland, with well cut coat and ever ready hand, see the french poodle sports his life away obedient wise affectionate and gay chronicles of animals these dogs like all others possess many amiable qualities and are remarkable for the facility with which they learn several amusing tricks and for their extraordinary sagacity this latter quality has frequently made them a great source of profit to their masters so that it may be said of them C'est encore une des plus profitables manières de traiter qui existe. A proof of this is related by M. Blaise in his History of the Dog, and was recorded by myself many years before his work appeared. A shoe black on the Pont Neuf at Paris had a poodle dog whose sagacity brought no small profit to his master. If the dog saw a person with well polished boots go across the bridge, he contrived to dirty them by having first rolled himself in the mud of the seine his master was then employed to clean them an english gentleman who had suffered more than once from the annoyance of having his boots dirtied by a dog was at last induced to watch his proceedings and thus detected the tricks he was playing for his master's benefit he was so much pleased with the animal's sagacity that he purchased him at a high price and conveyed him to london on arriving there he was confined to the house till he appeared perfectly satisfied with his new master and his new situation he at last however contrived to escape and made his way back to paris where he rejoined his old master and resumed his former occupation i was at paris some years ago where this anecdote was related to me and it is now published in the records of the french institute Perhaps the most remarkable instance known of what are called learned dogs is that of two poodles which were trained at Milan and exhibited at Paris in the spring of 1830. The account of them is given by a lady whose veracity is not doubtful and who herself saw their performance. The elder, named Fido, says she, is white with some black patches on his head and back, and the younger, who is called Bianco, is also white but with red spots fido is a grave and serious personage walks with dignity round the circle assembled to see him and appears much absorbed in reflection bianco is young and giddy but full of talent when he chooses to apply it owing to his more sedate disposition however fido is called upon to act the principal part of the exhibition a word is dictated to him from the greek latin italian german french or English language, and selected from a vocabulary where fifty words in each tongue are inscribed, and which altogether make three hundred different combinations. An alphabet is placed before Fido, and from it he takes the letters which compose the given word, and lays them in proper order at the feet of his master. On one occasion he was told to spell the word heaven, and he quickly placed the letters till he came to the second E. He stood for an instant as if puzzled, 
but in a moment after he took the e out of the first syllable and put it into the second his attainments in orthography however are not so surprising as those in arithmetic he practices the four rules with extraordinary facility arranges the double ciphers as he did the double vowels in the word heaven and rarely makes an error when such does occur his more thoughtless companion is called in to rectify it which he invariably does with the greatest quickness but as he had rather play than work and pulls fido by the ears to make him as idle as himself he is quickly dismissed one day the steady fido spelt the word jupiter with a b instead of a p bianco was summoned to his aid who after contemplating the word pushed out the b with his nose and seizing a p between his teeth put it into the vacancy fido is remarkable for the modest firmness with which he insists upon his correctness when he feels convinced of it himself for a lady having struck a repeating watch in his ear he selected an eight for the hour and a six for the three quarters the company present and his master called out to him he was wrong he reviewed his numbers and stood still his master insisted and he again examined his ciphers after which he went quietly but not in the least abashed into the middle of the carpet and looked at his audience the watch was then sounded again and it was found to have struck two at every quarter and fido received the plaudits which followed with as gentle a demeanor as he had borne the accusation of error one occupation seems to bring the giddy bianco to the gravity of the elder savant and when the spectators are tired of arithmetic and orthography the two dogs either sit down to écarté or become the antagonists of one of the company they ask for or refuse cards as their hands require with a most important look they cut at the proper times and never mistake one suit for another they have recourse to their ciphers to mark their points and on one occasion bianco having won he selected his number and on being asked what were the gains of his adversary he immediately took an o between his teeth and showed it to the querist and both seemed to know all the terms of the game as thoroughly as the most experienced card players all this passes without the slightest visible or audible sign between the poodles and their master the spectators are placed within three steps of the carpet on which the performance goes forward people have gone for the sole purpose of watching the master everybody visits them and yet no one has hitherto found out the mode of communication established between them and their owner whatever this communication may be it does not deduct from the wonderful intelligence of these animals for there must be a multiplicity of signs not only to be understood with eyes and ears but to be separated from each other in their minds or to be combined one with another for the various trials in which they are exercised i have seen learned pigs and ponies and can after these spectacles readily imagine how the extraordinary sagacity of a dog may be brought to a knowledge of the orthography of three hundred words but i must confess myself puzzled by the acquirements of these poodles in arithmetic which must depend upon the will of the spectator who proposes the numbers but that which is most surprising of all is the skill with which they play écarté the gravity and attention with which they carry on their game is almost ludicrous 
and the satisfaction of Bianco when he marks his points is perfectly evident. Nor is this a solitary instance of the extraordinary sagacity of the poodle. A lady of my acquaintance had one for many years, who was her constant companion both in the house and in her walks. When, however, either from business or indisposition her mistress did not take her usual walk on Wimbledon Common, the dog, by jumping on a table, took down the maidservant's bonnet and held it in her mouth till she accompanied the animal to the common. A friend of mine had a poodle dog who was not very obedient to his call when he was taken out to run in the fields. A small whip was therefore purchased, and the dog one day was chastised with it. The whip was placed on a table in the hall of the house, and the next morning it could not be found. It was soon afterwards discovered in the coal cellar. The dog was a second time punished with it, and again the whip was missed. It was afterwards discovered that the dog had attempted to hide the instrument by which pain had been inflicted on him. There certainly appears a strong approach to reason in this proceeding of the dog. Cause and effect seem to have been associated in his mind, if his mode of proceeding may be called an effort of it. In Messrs. Chambers' brochure of amusing anecdotes of dogs, we find the following. An aged gentleman has mentioned to us that about fifty years ago a Frenchman brought to London from eighty to a hundred dogs, chiefly poodles, the remainder spaniels, but all nearly of the same size and of the smaller kind. On the education of these animals their proprietor had bestowed an immense deal of pains. From puppyhood upwards they had been taught to walk on their hind legs and maintain their footing with surprising ease in that unnatural position. They had likewise been drilled into the best possible behavior towards each other. No snarling, barking, or indecorous conduct took place when they were assembled in company. But what was most surprising of all, they were able to perform in various theatrical pieces of the character of pantomimes, representing various transactions in heroic and familiar life, with wonderful fidelity. The object of their proprietor was, of course, to make money by their performances, which the public were accordingly invited to witness in one of the minor theatres. Amongst their histrionic performances was the representation of a siege. On the rising of the curtain there appeared three ranges of ramparts, one above the other, having salient angles and a moat like a regularly constructed fortification. In the centre of the fortress arose a tower, on which a flag was flying, while in the distance behind appeared the buildings and steeples of a town. The ramparts were guarded by soldiers in uniform, each armed with a musket or sword, of an appropriate size. All these were dogs, and their duty was to defend the walls from an attacking party consisting also of dogs, whose movements now commence the operations of the siege. In the foreground of the stage were some rude buildings and irregular surfaces, from among which there issued a reconnoitering party. The chief, habited as an officer of rank, with great circumspection surveyed the fortification, and his sedate movements, and his consultations with the troops that accompanied him, implied that an attack was determined upon. But these consultations did not pass unobserved by the defenders of the garrison. 
the party was noticed by a sentinel and fired upon and this seemed to be the signal to call every man to his post at the embrasures shortly after the troops advanced to the escalade but to cross the moat and get at the bottom of the walls it was necessary to bring up some species of pontoon and accordingly several soldiers were seen engaged in pushing before them wicker-work scaffoldings which moved on casters towards the fortifications the drums beat to arms and the bustle of warfare opened in earnest smoke was poured out in volleys from shot-holes the besieging forces pushed forward in masses regardless of the fire the moat was filled with the crowd and amid much confusion and scrambling scaling ladders were raised against the walls then was the grand tug of war the leaders of the forlorn hope who first ascended were opposed with great gallantry by the defenders and this was perhaps the most interesting part of the exhibition the chief of the assailants did wonders he was seen now here now there animating his men and was twice hurled with ladder and followers from the second gradation of ramparts but he was invulnerable and seemed to receive an accession of courage on every fresh repulse the rattle of the miniature cannon the roll of the drums the sound of trumpets and the heroism of the actors on both sides imparted an idea of reality to the scene after numerous hair-breadth escapes the chief surmounted the third line of fortifications followed by his troops the enemy's standard was hurled down and the british flag hoisted in its place the ramparts were manned by the conquerors and the smoke cleared away to the tune of god save the king it is impossible to convey a just idea of this performance which altogether reflected great credit on its contriver is also on the abilities of each individual dog we must conclude that the firing from the embrasures and some other parts of the mejanique were effected by human agency but the actions of the dogs were clearly their own and showed what could be effected with animals by dint of patient culture another specimen of these canine theatricals was quite a contrast to the bustle of the siege the scene was an assembly-room on the sides and the further end of which seats were placed while a music-gallery and a profusion of chandeliers gave a richness and truth to the general effect livery-servants were in attendance on a few of the company who entered and took their seats frequent knockings now occurred at the door followed by the entrance of parties attired in the fashion of the period these were of course the same individuals who had recently been in the deadly breach but now all was tranquillity elegance and ease parties were formally introduced to each other with an appearance of the greatest decorum the dogs intended to represent ladies were dressed in silks gauzes laces and gay ribbons some wore artificial flowers with flowing ringlets others wore the powdered and pomatumed headdress with caps and lappets in ludicrous contrast to the features of the animals the animals which represented gentlemen were judiciously equipped some as youthful and others as aged beaux regulated by their degrees of proficiency since those most youthfully dressed were most attentive to the ladies the frequent bow and return of curtsey produced great mirth in the audience on a sudden the master of the ceremonies appeared he wore a superb court dress and his manners were in agreement with his costume 
to some of the gentlemen he gave merely a look of recognition to the ladies he was generally attentive to some he projected his paw familiarly to others he bowed with respect and introduced one to another with an air of elegance that surprised and delighted the spectators as the performance advanced the interest increased the music was soon interrupted by a loud knocking which announced the arrival of some important visitor several livery servants entered and then a sedan chair was borne in by appropriately dressed dogs they removed the poles raised the head and opened the door of the sedan forth came a lady splendidly attired in spangled satin and jewels and her head decorated with a plume of ostrich feathers she made a great impression and appeared as if conscious of her superior attraction meanwhile the chair was removed the master of the ceremonies in his court dress was in readiness to receive the elegant and the bow and curtsey were admirably interchanged the band now struck up an air of the kind to which ballroom companies are accustomed to promenade and the company immediately quitted their seats and began to walk ceremoniously in pairs round the room three of the ladies placed their arms under those of their attendant gentlemen on seats being resumed the master of the ceremonies and the lady who came in the sedan chair arose he led her to the centre of the room foot's minuet struck up the pair commenced the movements with an attention to time they performed the crossings and turnings the advancings retreatings and obeisances during which there was a perfect silence and they concluded amid thunders of applause what ultimately became of the ingenious manager with his company our informant never heard the following anecdotes prove the strong affection and perseverance of the poodle the late duke of argyle had a favorite dog of his description who was his constant companion this dog on the occasion of one of the duke's journeys to inverary castle was by some accident or mistake left behind in london on missing his master the faithful animal set off in search of him and made his way into scotland and was found early one morning at the gate of the castle the anecdote is related by the family in a picture shown of the dog a poor german artist who was studying at rome had a poodle dog who used to accompany him when his funds would allow it to an ordinary frequented by other students here the dog got scraps enough to support him his master not being able to keep up the expense discontinued his visits to the ordinary the dog fared badly in consequence and at last his master returned to his friends in germany leaving the dog behind him the poor animal slept at the top of the stairs leading to his master's room but watched in the daytime at the door of the ordinary and when he saw his former acquaintances crowding in he followed at their heels and thus gaining admittance was fed till his owner came back to resume his studies a gentleman possessed a poodle-dog and a terrier between whom a great affection existed when the terrier was shut up as was sometimes the case the poodle always hid such bones or meat as he could procure and afterwards brought the terrier to the spot where they were concealed he was constantly watched and observed to do this act of kindness the sagacity of the poodle is strongly shown by the following fact 
Mr. B. T., who was constantly in the habit of making tours on the continent, was always accompanied by a poodle-dog. In one of his journeys he was seated at a table d'hote, next to a person whose conversation he found so agreeable that a sort of intimacy sprung up between them. The dog, however, for the first time he had ever done so to anyone, showed a dislike to the stranger, and so much so that Mr. B. T. could not help remarking it. In the course of his tour he again fell in with the stranger, when the intimacy was renewed, and Mr. B. T. offered him a seat in his carriage as they were both going the same way. No sooner, however, had the stranger entered the carriage than the dog showed an increased dislike of him, which continued during the course of the journey. At night they slept at a small inn, in a wild and somewhat unfrequented country, and on separating in the evening to go to their respective beds, the poodle evinced the greatest anger, and was with difficulty restrained from attacking the stranger. In the middle of the night Mr. B. T. was awoke by a noise in his room, and there was light enough for him to perceive that his dog had seized his travelling companion, who, upon being threatened, confessed that he had entered the room for the purpose of endeavouring to purloin Mr. B. T.'s money, of which he was aware that he possessed a considerable quantity. This is not a solitary instance of an instinctive faculty which enables dogs to discriminate, by showing a strong dislike, the characters of particular individuals. A friend has sent me the following account of a poodle he once had. Many years ago I had a poodle who was an excellent retriever. He was a middle-sized, active dog, a first-rate waterman, with a nose so particularly sensitive that no object, however minute, could escape its delicate investigation. Philip was the hardiest animal in the world. No sea would prevent him from carrying a dead bird through the boiling breakers. And I have seen him follow and secure a wounded mallard, although in the attempt his legs were painfully scarified, in breaking through a field of ice scarcely the thickness of a crown-piece. Philip, though of French extraction, had decidedly Irish partialities. He delighted in a glass of grog, and no matter with what labor and constancy he had returned from retrieving, he still enjoyed a glass of punch. When he had drunk it, he was in high glee, running round and round to try and catch his own tail, and even then allowing the cat to approach him, which he was by no means disposed to do at other times. When my daughter was in Germany, she sent me the following interesting anecdote of a poodle, the accuracy of which she had an opportunity of ascertaining. An inhabitant of Dresden had a poodle that he was fond of, and had always treated kindly. For some reason or another he gave her to a friend of his, a countryman in Possendorf, who lived three leagues from Dresden. This person, who well knew the great attachment of the dog to her former master, took care to keep her tied up, and would not let her leave the house till he thought she had forgotten him. During this time the poodle had young ones, three in number, which she nourished with great affection, and appeared to bestow upon them her whole attention, and to have entirely given up her former uneasiness at her new abode. From this circumstance her owner thought she had forgotten her old master, and therefore no longer kept her a close prisoner. Very soon, however, the poodle was missing, and also the three young ones, and nothing was heard of her for several days. 
one morning his friend came to him from dresden and informed him that the preceding evening the poodle had come to his house with one of the puppies in her mouth and that another had been found dead on the road to possendorf it appeared that the dog had started in the night carrying the puppies who were not able to walk one after the other a certain distance on the road to dresden with the evident intention of conveying them all to her much-loved home and master the third puppy was never found and is supposed to have been carried off by some wild animal or bird while the poor mother was in advance with the others the dead one had apparently perished from cold the late dr chisholm of canterbury had a remarkable poodle which a correspondent informs me he has often seen on one occasion he was told for the first time by way of trial to fetch his master's slippers he went upstairs and brought down one only he was then told you have brought one only go and fetch the other and the other was brought the next evening the dog was again told to bring the slippers he went upstairs put one slipper within the other and brought both down this dog appeared to understand much of our language when dining with dr chisholm and others his intelligence was put to the proof by my correspondent someone would hide an article open the door and bring in the dog saying find so-and-so the poodle used to look up steadily in the face of the speaker until he was told whether the article was hid high or low he would then search either on the ground or on the chairs and furniture and bring the article never taking any notice of any other thing that was lying about he would upon being ordered go upstairs and bring down a snuff-box stick pocket-handkerchief or anything understanding as readily what was said to him as if spoken to a servant another poodle would go through the agonies of dying in a very systematic manner when he was ordered to die he would tumble over on one side and then stretch himself out and move his hind legs in such a way as expressed that he was in great pain first slowly and afterwards very quickly after a few convulsive throbs indicated by putting his head and whole body in motion he would stretch out all his limbs and cease to move lying on his back with his legs turned upwards as if he had expired in this situation he remained motionless until he had his master's commands to get up the following anecdote was communicated to the reverend mr jennings by mrs grosvenor of richmond surrey a poodle-dog belonging to a gentleman in cheshire was in the habit of not only going to church but of remaining quietly in the pew during service whether his master was there or not one sunday the dam at the head of a lake in that neighbourhood gave way so that the whole road was inundated the congregation in consequence consisted of a very few who came from some cottages close by but nobody attended from the great house the clergyman informed the lady that whilst reading the psalms he saw his friend the poodle come slowly up the aisle dripping with wet having swum above a quarter of a mile to get to church he went into the usual pew and remained quietly there to the end of the service the marquis of worcester the late duke of beaufort who served in the peninsular war had a poodle which was taken from the grave of his master a french officer 
who fell at the battle of salamanca and was buried on the spot the dog had remained on the grave until he was nearly starved and even then was removed with difficulty so faithful are these animals in protecting the remains of those they loved a poodle dog followed his master a french officer to the wars the latter was soon afterwards killed at the battle of castella in valencia when his comrades endeavored to carry the dog with them in their retreat but the faithful animal refused to leave the corpse and they left him a military marauder in going over the field of battle discovering the cross of the legion of honor on the dead officer's breast attempted to capture it but the poodle instantly seized him by the throat and would have ended his career had not a comrade run the honest canine guardian through the body mr blaine in his account of dogs says that strange as it may appear it is no less true that a poodle dog actually scaled the high buildings of my residence in well street oxford street proceeded along several roofs of houses and made his way down by progressive but very considerable leaps into distant premises from whence by watching and stratagem he gained the street and returned home in order to join his mistress for whose sake he had encountered these great risks i am always glad to have an opportunity of acknowledging the kindness of my correspondents and now do so to the clergyman who very kindly sent me the following anecdote which i give in his own words i have a distinct remembrance of frol or frolic a dog belonging to an aged relation once the property of her deceased only son which animal in his earlier days doubtless gave evidence that his name was not given him unadvisedly but during the yearly visits of myself to that kind and indulgent person i can remember nothing but a rather small though fat unwieldy poodle whose curly glossy coat preserved after his death long yellow ears and black nose the rest of his body being perfectly white betokened that he had been a beauty in his time frol was still a prodigious favorite with his mistress although i confess my feelings towards him were rather those of fear than any other for to touch him was quite sufficient to evoke a growl or perchance a snap from this pet of a dozen years or more a cross snappish fellow he was at best and well he knew the length of trusty the house-dog's chain which less favored quadruped was never let loose by day from a well-grounded fear that he might if allowed resent by summary punishment the constant insults he was doomed to submit to from this most petted and presumptuous myrmidon of the drawing-room with all this although time and overfeeding had soured his temper frol still retained much of if not all his former intelligence a trait so peculiar to his species declared by many long past but still vaunted proofs of his being a wonder in his way one of his peculiarities was a fondness for apples not indeed all apples but those which grew on a particular tree called frol's tree and no others this tree was by the way the best in the garden and the small sweet delicate fruit therefrom my reminiscence is distinct on this point were carefully preserved for this canine favorite nothing would entice him to eat any other sort of apple 
and in the season he would constantly urge his mistress into the garden by repeated barking and other unmistakable symptoms his daily meals too of which i think there were three regular ones were events in themselves the careful attention to which tended perhaps to relieve the monotony of a country life they are indeed not speedily to be forgotten by those who witnessed them he would take food from no one but his mistress or her maid which latter person was his chief purveyor who had been an inmate of the house contemporary with himself or i believe long before but this feeding was generally a task of great trouble such coaxing and humouring on the one hand such growling and snarling on the other has been perhaps seldom heard at length after much beseeching on the part of the maid and a few words of entreaty from the mistress he would condescend to eat but never i believe without some symptoms of discontent how savoury soever the morsel submitting to that as a favour which is generally snatched at and devoured with so much gusto and avidity by most others of his tribe i should not have entered into these peculiarities which are scarcely evidence of any intelligence beyond that of other dogs were it not that the circumstances attending his death were really extraordinary the more so when the character of the dog is considered and as we have so often heard of a presentiment of that great change being strongly imprinted on human minds so there were not wanting some of the then inmates of the house who attributed his unwanted behaviour on the eve of his death to the same cause the dog slept constantly in his mistress's bedroom but contrary to custom on the night in question he pertinaciously refused to remain there my brother and myself who were then little boys were to our great surprise aroused in the course of the night by an unwanted scratching at the door of our apartment which we immediately opened and to our equal delight and wonder were saluted by frawls jumping up and licking our hands and faces certainly he never appeared in better health and spirits in his life whether he did this to atone for his former uncourteous behaviour towards us or was urged by some unaccountable feeling of amiability as well as restlessness i cannot say but certain it is his gentler faculties were that night for once aroused for this unaccustomed compliment i can safely affirm we never personally received at any former period of our acquaintance after a time he left us charmed at experiencing these new and flattering demonstrations which joy was alas doomed to be sadly and speedily extinguished when the morning came the distressed countenance of the servant who called us portended some evil tidings which was quickly followed by the unexpected intelligence of the demise of poor frawl we hastily accompanied the servant into the coachman's sleeping apartment and there under the bed lay the poor dog it had pleased him to go there to die having previously aroused every individual in the house during the night by scratching at their several chambers one after another and saluting them in the same amiable manner he had my brother and myself this anecdote could be well authenticated by most of the persons then in the house who are still alive End of chapter 19 The Poodle Recording by Pamela Krantz